You're listening to Anxiety Talks with Amanda Huggins. The intersection of science and spirituality, where we have real, honest, and often esoteric conversations about mental health and personal growth. Hello, you guys. Welcome back to another episode of Anxiety Talks podcast. And today I'm joined by a dear friend, personal mentor, uh, I would say a guru of sorts, but I don't want to give him too much credit. Uh, My manager and business partner, Anthony Benson. So I'll I'll read a little bit of Anthony's bio and background, and then we'll kick it to him to blab. But Anthony is a super, super interesting person. His background is wild. I hope we get into a bit of it today. But in terms of a boilerplate, let me just read a bit off to you. Anthony's exciting career in the fields of creativity and communication continues to be an epic journey. Very true. Having mastered the art of merging creativity, soul, and business. As a respected creative business strategist, manager, coach, producer, and writer, he serves his clients by skillfully guiding them to accomplish their goals and help them to manifest their dreams. Anthony regularly shares his expertise on stages, podcasts, radio, and TV shows, and has written for and been featured as an authority in numerous online and print publications. I mean, damn. And that's, I'm only reading them like a clip of it, Anthony. So first, hello. Hello. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to be here and looking forward to seeing how our conversation evolves and where we end up. It'll be a fun uh, adventure with you. So thanks for having me. I mean, partially an obligation you are my business partner, so I feel like, uh, you know, I'm really throwing you a bone here. But... <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, Anthony and I uh, have wanted to do a podcast episode and likely a course or two in the future as well, just because of how much good stuff comes up between the two of us behind the scenes. And so in today's conversation, I really want to talk through and really just kind of tee Anthony up to talk to you guys um, because he he has a certain type of expertise that I have personally found very valuable in my own journey. Uh, that expertise being is a very unique way of calling out when you are rolling in your own stuckness. He elevates you out of victim energy and somehow finds a bit of motivation and inspiration that you can actually connect to, and none of it feels judgmental. And for me, I get lost in victimy energy uh, when I'm deep in overwhelm, and that support alone has been just wildly helpful to receive from Anthony. Now, you don't get to a point where you can support people in that way without having quite an interesting backstory. So Anthony, why don't you just give us like, if you can, a high level summary of your life, not the stuff that I just read from your bio. (laughs) Well, uh, thank you for that wonderful introduction. It's as though I wrote it myself. Um, Might as well have. (laughs) So, you know, you're right. I have an interesting life, as many of us do, all of us do. You know, my life is no better or worse than anyone else's. It's just my individual experience and how I've adapted and reacted and shifted into it. I'm a big believer that 
you know, we commit to the evolution of self as, you know, where we come into this world and how we leave it. It's really what we do in between those two moments that really matters. So to answer your query, uh, I was born in London um, to a very talented creative mother and a father whom I really didn't get to know who was in the Royal Navy. They divorced when I was very young. I was also in a, a very uh, challenging car accident that split my skull. And unrelated, I was also deaf for four years from age two to age six. Moved away from uh, England at age three and moved all over the States. I think I did maybe six, seven different moves before second grade. Um, my stepfather, the new dad in the picture, was in the Navy and also in finance, and that's pretty much what moved us around. But we ended up settling in the heartland of America in Kansas, and I spent my Wonder Bread years there. Um, kind of living on the outside an apple pie existence, um, sports, school, and all that. I did very well in school. I did very well in sports, but under the veneer of the happy, wonderful family, uh, there was a lot going on. There was a lot of violence, uh, addictions, and things of that nature. That family, our family, moved up to Minnesota and then quickly deteriorated. And it was from that point on, through the deterioration of the family system, that uh, and the, the ensuing divorce between my stepfather and my mother that I discovered drugs and smoked my for first joint at 14. Well, that was a, a life-changing experience because it, it allowed me to escape all my pain and get into a drug-induced haze and kind of live my life, uh, you know, high and escaping my feelings and kind of burying all the pain and uh, major emotions that I was experiencing. So that life, which I'm sure many people can identify with, is one that you do to protect yourself from you know all the things that you've been exposed to. Because when I was young, in that kind of time that I was sharing, I was uh, the victim of violence. And I was also uh, the victim of sexual abuse. And those kind of things cause you to emotionally shut down if you don't have the right, you know, uh, comforting, supportive environment in which to process your pain and in which to heal. I did not have that. So drugs were kind of the last stand for me, and I was a garbage can. I did everything. I did everything except except put needles in my arm. And the reason I didn't put needles in my arms is because I thought if I did that, I'd be a drug addict. <laughs> you know, but that's part of the denial of being a drug addict and an alcoholic. So in that process of, of doing that, I found myself uh, getting into the music business and started my life at a very young age on the road, uh, managing a band through the Midwest. And it all kind of came crashing to a halt uh, when I was 19. And I'd lost uh, my relationship, no connection with family, was living in a really horrible location in downtown Minneapolis surrounded by, you know, drug addicts and hookers and no heat. And, you know, it was just my life had really crumbled and was coming to my, you know, from my perspective to a hard end. And I remember standing in the mirror, looking in the mirror rather, in my bathroom, you know, um, thinking about dying, thinking about killing myself. Like, what was the point? I mm -hmm. had nothing. And I'd lost all connection. So it was at that moment that it was a turning point. And I'm sure many people can relate to this. You have a choice in life sometimes when you're in those dark nights of the soul of whether you, you check out or you check in, and you check into a different place. And uh, my best friend's mother, uh, Mar uh, Marsha, 
had always said that if you ever need anything i'm here for you and the only prerequisite was that i wasn't using and we would meet at a church library and we would talk and of course i lied about my using because i didn't see what that had to do with anything of course and we would meet and she said have you been using i said no every time but the one time that i did when the plume of smoke followed me out of my car from all the dope i was smoking she said are you using i said yes 15 minutes later literally 15 minutes later i was at a treatment center being evaluated for drug addiction and alcoholism and at that point um, I decided to check into my life in a different way and I put myself through a treatment center did a four week inpatient and so that in that process of doing that I fought it tooth and nail as many people do when they have to make significant change in their life to make something happen differently um, you know that all that adage you know of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting you know something to change and mm-hmm. I, I you know and, and I had to change, otherwise I was going to die uh, by my own hands or by a drug overdose or an accident or something else. So on the last day of that particular treatment process, I had a spiritual awakening in in a group of people, surrounded by a group of people. And that spiritual awakening allowed me to process my pain in a way that I hadn't, that I've been fighting for so long. So that was the first day of the rest of my life. and in doing that change enabled me to kind of step into learning about myself, doing the deep work through program, you know, 12 step programs and through a lot of therapy and shift my life to be able to create the life that I deserve and that I long wanted, but didn't know how to get there. And that was the process of enabling myself to step into my own power, into my own truth, into my own awareness of my evolution of self and allowing me to live the life that I'd always thought that I could, but I couldn't when I was steeped in so much pain, denial, shame, etc., etc. So that was the beginning. That's how I kind of got yeah. to a place of shifting to all the work that I do now that I've been doing for a very long time. So, I mean, there, I'm taking notes because there's a million places that I think both you and I would like to touch on just within that blurb alone. But maybe we start here. Um, you know, one of the things that you've said to me many a time when I've been in my own versions of Dark Nights of the Soul uh, is that pain is the price of admission to a new life, right? Yes. And I think that's quite clear from your story, and we've all experienced our own versions of that. And it almost seems like, uh, oh, almost like Disney or magical when we explain it, you know, 10, 15, 40 years past when one of the big dark nights of the soul happened, it's like, that was the moment and it was glorious. But as we all know, it's not easy. It's like, that's when it begins. That's when the healing work begins. And you said something interesting, which was that that was the point where I decided that I wanted to begin creating the life I knew I deserved. When it comes to worth, what I I see in people that I work with, I've seen it in myself, right, is sometimes even from that origin point of like emerging from some pain, deciding to change, we still have um, like horse blinders on in terms of how much we deserve, how much we can have. And so I'm curious, 
if you go back to like the you in that moment, how old were you? At that, during the spiritual awakening, I had just yeah. turned 20. I had just turned 20. So I imagine what 20 year old Anthony thought was possible was great, but has now been far surpassed by Anthony in present time. So can you talk us through when you were like, wow, okay, I'm going to, I'm starting to connect to some worth. I'm starting to move through shame. I'm, I'm starting to envision a new life. How easy was that for you? And then how much expansion throughout your life have you seen? Like how much has it changed from when you were 20 to when you were now? You're having this, we can call it. Well, the spiritual awakening um, was something I didn't see happening. I mean, it literally, you know, it was through a pro it was through a, a process. Um, I forget what it's called, but it was like a family um, sculpture. It's a, a process used in therapy, and it's a family sculpture where I chose people in you know in the group to act as members of my family in my life and to do so without words. Mm. And that process allowed me to kind of articulate visually all the stuff that I've been through. So it got, all this kind of stuff was happening and eventually the therapist, the counselor, honed it down to me talking with my father whom I didn't, I never saw after age three. So in that moment, because he had died years uh, earlier of cancer, is I got to bury my father and I did so in the middle of a circle of you know, 30, 40 wow. people. So in doing that, I then, what, overcame me as I went completely blind, completely deaf, and was encircled by white light. And it's not so much whether one believes in God and what the religious connotations of it may or may not be, but for me, being atheist and agnostic at the time, it was something that allowed me to know there was indeed a higher power, that there was indeed something different happening here. And when I came out of that moment, I was being rocked on the floor um, by someone and I was crying and the whole room was crying. I mean, there was just this immense, powerful process that had happened that was witnessed by many people. So mm -hmm. it wasn't easy in terms of that moment, but I really had little control of it other than to be open. I mean, I had right. to allow it to be. I, 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 it wasn't a conscious choice. The conscious choice was to be present and participate in the moment, but how it yes. unfolded which is what happens in life. And so, you know, I'll, I'll touch on that as I further my answer to your question. So what became difficult was being able to take that moment and run with it, meaning, okay, now I have information that I never had before. Now I am free of alcohol and drugs. I have to make that choice on a daily, moment-to-moment -moment basis. And in the beginning of anyone's recovery, that can be challenging because what you, how you've lived your life versus how you are choosing to live your life now is, is drastically different. Friends, circumstances, life environments, all those things have to change in order for the sobriety to take a number one spot in one's life. The sobriety piece for me is so important because it allowed me to be clearer and to not be masked by all the other stuff that I was filling with my life and distracting my life. Because it takes a lot of work to stay high. It takes a lot of work to not feel your emotions. It takes a lot mm -hmm. of work. So there's a fatigue factor that comes with that as well as, okay, now I'm going to free myself to the opportunities and possibilities that my life has to offer me. What am I going to do about it? And so the difficulty 
to your query comes from, okay, what choices am I going to make that is going to enable me to evolve into the type of life that I feel I deserve? And the reason that I feel it's something I deserve is because I was keeping myself small and I was keeping myself punished and I was keeping myself in a place of pain. Mm -hmm. So to free yourself from that is revelatory. I mean, it's like, whoa. And I was young, but I also had been on my own, you know, since I was, you know, I dropped out of school when I was 15, been on my own since that age, living in cars, living. I mean, I had a challenging life. Mm -hmm. And so now I want to step into something that's completely different because I can always go back to that, right? I mean, that's always a default if I choose. But no, the possibilities of kind of owning my own power, owning my own creativity, owning my own joy, owning my own happiness, all those things that I was fighting with and not allowing or wasn't given to me. So now the difficulty is honoring that process, Mm -hmm. honoring the responsibility which is a big part of it. It is, it is a huge responsibility to love yourself enough to create and build the life that you want and I believe one deserves. Mm-hmm. So the choices that I started making were about honoring myself, about loving myself. So it was getting rid of people that didn't serve the highest good. It was, it was putting myself into therapy to process the pain. It was showing up at meetings to share my story and to be of support and be supported by others and so on. It was putting myself into environments that were not destructive. It was building a life. And any of us who, you know, whether you start young or later on in life, you have choices. Choices beget choices. You take out the Anthony judgment. Benson, my favorite quote. <laughs> so, but you, 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 you do have choices. And I believe, and some people don't believe this, but I don't believe that you're given more than you can handle. The universe, and however you see that, or the circumstance in which you find yourself, is an opportunity to shift. Shift consciousness, shift physicality, shift your spirituality, shift your mentality, whatever it is, so that choices beget choices component is that any of us sitting in this moment as we sit here now or you're listening if you think about all those dark nights of the soul you think about all those difficult moments in your life how painful they they might have been the fact that you are here in this moment now means you survived it so you were not given more than you can handle you did survive it the lessons in that, from my perspective, are we are immensely strong and powerful. We can withstand so much if we allow ourselves to ebb and flow and to learn from the choices that we make. So the choices moving forward are supportive, loving, nurturing, not only to ourselves, but to those around us. I, I again, there's three different things I want to go back into there, but that the piece that you just closed with learning from our choices and really viewing each one kind of in a silo, right? It's, it's, this is now what I choose now does not have to be based on what happened before. It doesn't have to project some negativity into the future. If that's what I've been carrying with me, it is a fresh or a clean choice, right? Right. But that you have to be in a mindset that's open to that, right? There, so another way of saying that, I suppose, is choices beget choices, but the individual has to be grounded in possibility that 
they're, they're safe enough to choose something different, that they're safe enough to have choices that will lead to something better than where they are now, right? Faith, faith. And again, I'm with you, universe, God, spirit, energy, it's all the same. I say that here all the time. Um, but as we know, faith in yourself and faith in the unseen, uh, not always consistent, right? Challenges will come up. Uh, I know for me, you've kind of witnessed <laughs> me going into my, my shit quite a few times. And one of the things that I always appreciated was the way you're able to kind of ground me in that hmm. and neutrally present the choices, so when I'd be going like really deep into my victim and a part of me really wanted to be like, oh, see, everything is broken. Everything does suck. I really suck. You would always ground down and like, OK, so that is one. <laughs> that's one way of looking at it. Or maybe it's just how you're feeling right now. And maybe there's more. And one of the things that you said that I always keep in the back of my mind was when I was like really kind of fighting against myself and I don't know, maybe even argumentative with you, uh, where I was just like, I just don't want it to be hard anymore. Everything feels very hard. And you were like, maybe it's, maybe it's just supposed to be a hard time. And the way that that was delivered actually offered me choice because I had been in such resistance to mm. the period of time that I was in being challenging that it felt like I was trapped, right? And that's that's really when that trapped or victim energy starts to manifest in full force. It's when we feel like we are choiceless, when we're right. in a hard moment. But surrender or acceptance or releasing the resistance to a challenge is a choice, right? And so... I, I, that's where I really think that you you've taught me a lot and I know that you've had experience in that. So I'd love if you could share maybe a tough moment that you went through at any point in your life where you were like, mm -mm, I'm in super resistance right now. I want to go into my poor me. I want to go into my victim and how you moved into choice to not let that victim energy, like that wave kind of consume you. Well, let's talk about, yeah, well, let's talk about resistance just as a concept. Yeah. I mean, in terms of, you know, of what, how you're, you know, couching it right now. Resistance to me is about being stuck in the negative experiences, feelings and such that we're so used to. I mean, it's the devil we know. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's difficult to love ourselves enough to not fight against something good yeah. happening. Yeah. Life is made up of moments. It's really what it is, a series of moments. And I think, you know, the victim piece that can come into play is born out of not wanting to realize that nothing is locked in cement. Nothing, you know, and I've always said this, and maybe you remember this, is, you know, if it mm -hmm. isn't cement, you get out the jackhammer and blow that shit up, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So nothing is permanent in that regard. So it's really to what level are we willing to shift and to change into the goodness that is available to us, to the love that's available to us. You may remember this, and this is one of my favorite mantras, but you know, it's, it's being open to being open, right? Yeah. When interacting yeah. with the world, endeavor to be open to being open, open to possibilities, open to opportunities, 
open to co-creation, open to love. Being open creates an environment where the unimaginable can and usually does happen. And that's my experience. So the way that I've dealt with this is I have not um, really experienced a lot of the victimhood piece and the reason mm, through life. And the reason, and there'll be circumstances, sure. I mean, because I've been alive a long time, so I certainly have a lot of life circumstances to, to reflect on. But the victimhood is really coming out of, you know, it, it, when I've experienced it, and I'm, I'm going to clarify what I said I don't experience a lot, is, is, is when I've had that those moments, it's because I wanted to wallow in my pain. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes that pain piece is really valuable because if, if nothing else, it can remind us of what we don't want to feel. It's like, yeah. maybe I don't want to live there. Maybe I got to sit in this muck long enough to realize, no, I really don't want to sit in this muck yeah. any longer. And that enables us <laughs> to figure out choices you know, and ways of getting out of it. The victimhood piece for me, which is what I've been able to, to keep at bay to a degree, is because I have fully embraced building the type of life that I can be proud of. And that doesn't mean economically or structurally or that as much as just emotionally, spiritually, mm -hmm. mentally, physically, because I make choices that support a quality of life that really matters to me. We're here for such a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And as you grow older, you realize that even more, that life is precious and it, 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 it's here and gone in a blink of an eye. So as I touched on at the very beginning, you know, it's what we do in between those moments of being born and when we leave this earthly plane that really matter. And a lot of us, you know, sadly sleepwalk through life and are scared to fully feel, to fully emote, to fully show up for ourselves. Because a lot of people don't want to do the work. I know. And the work is where it's at. And yeah. Right? So the work is where it's at. So... I've done the work, and I can say that with a bit of pride because I know the hours and pain and processing that I've put into that, but it enables me not to fall into victimhood very often, and not. And I certainly you know, don't sit in a place of shame. I'm, I'll talk about all aspects of my life openly and with an open heart because there's no shame attached to it. Those were choices mm -hmm. and situations that happened then. This is the now, and, and we are not all of our behaviors and choices in our life you know that's why those moments that I speak to are so important because in this moment I choose to be how I am right now in the next yeah. moment in the next moment so taking full responsibility for our behavior for our mindset for the choices how we eat how we process how we love how we you know work all those things add up those puzzle pieces add up to the collective whole of who we are and how we yeah. interact with the world and the faith part that you touched on is everything because faith can be your friend in the darkest of times. Yeah, I, it's, it's for me. And I was saying this actually in uh, the episode before this is I, I don't know how else you can move through challenging moments without having faith in something outside of your current circumstances that can be what you decide is a higher power. It can be your higher self. It can be your future self, you know. But that, I just don't see how full body 
growth can happen without at least a shred of faith that you're open to allowing to expand or you're focused on consciously expanding your faith because life is going to throw you some stuff that you don't like. It's going to throw you some hard things. And I think what, what happens not for everyone, but you know, there's probably a couple of like categories of there are types of, of ways people choose to work through something or not work through something. But one that I, I've been seeing quite often is life will throw a swell of something at you. Right. It's deeply uncomfortable. Avoidance happens. It's like, okay, I felt the pain. That was painful. I felt it. It's done, so I'm going to put it over there. But the work hasn't been done, right? So the pain, yeah. the moment of pain goes away. Oh, I'm back to normal. Now I still want to go for that thing. I want to go for that business. I want to go for my happiness, for my self-love. Having not done the work, life is going to throw you another cycle that's going to give you that exact same experience. And one of the things I, I again, until you learn, right? But one of the things I, I hear from people is if that was painful enough, right? Having my challenge, having like a struggle come up, that's painful enough. I don't want to experience more by doing work. Maybe it's easier for me if I just go through life with like chunks of pain rather than kind of a swell of pain that really begins to release you. And I find that piece, that's hard to explain to someone like why it's worth it. The individual has to choose that for themselves, right? So, you know, in coaching, um, I certainly work with people who are teetering on that brink. And so through the supportive coaching, we can have conversations like this where they get to come to a choice. Like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to go in. I'm ready to do the work. But for people who don't have access to support and they find themselves in that same cycle of like, Pain, okay, it went away. Pain, okay, it went away. What do you suggest they do? What is, maybe we deconstruct the work for a second, actually. Like, if someone can't have a coach, or they can't, uh, you know, they're not getting a ton out of their current therapy, what else can they be doing, from your opinion? What can they examine? Well, one, it's it's realizing that pain is a process, excuse me, yeah. pain is a part of life and it's a process that you're never going to escape. Yeah. So you have to embrace the pain and realize that it is part of being human. Mm -hmm. um, when we try to escape it and run from it, that's where the danger, you know, comes into place. It certainly was for me. That's why my drug abuse and alcoholism was was all about that it was, you know, I didn't want to feel I wanted to run from the pain wanted to mask the pain, which a lot of people do. And, and people could be, you know, do it uh, through different types of addictions or diversions, you know, can be, you know, eating, sex, work, you know, there's a multitude of reasons that disconnect you from yourself and from the pain. So one, you have to embrace it. And then you have to go through it. And that's the part that people get scared of, because they just yeah. don't like the feeling. I mean, it's I liken it, you know, you can be at your worst. Let's say you have the worst flu and you're just so sick and you just feel awful and you feel nauseous and you do, oh, just awful. 
and then you find yourself in the bathroom and you end up throwing up. I don't know about you. Throwing up is one of the worst life experiences. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm mm -hmm. not a fan at all. I don't think anybody is. Mm -hmm. But do you not feel better afterwards? Yeah. Do you not feel better having... And so for me, it's kind of like purging the dragon. It's like it's like throwing up the darkness. It's no different when you process the pain, difficulties, emotional components, the, the hardships, the, whatever the pain piece and, and points are. To move through it, you will feel better on the other end. And so whatever that is, whether that's journaling, whether that's screaming into your pillow, whether that's talking to a friend or a family member, whatever, whether it's finding somebody, if you're, you know, if it's, you know, your religion and talking to a priest or a nun, whether it's talking to somebody that you trust that will hold the space for you to listen to you as you talk through and work through your discomfort, that's what you can do. And that doesn't cost any money. No. Structure, no. you know, through the, through the, therapeutic process can be very valuable as as can 12 step groups because it is a yeah. supportive safe space I not everybody no i was going to say not everybody has that to your point not everybody has that so there are things you can do to help you like i was just uh, you know sharing yeah well I, I was just talking to uh someone a couple of weeks ago about how 12 step groups should just exist for everyone period like everyone should just be in them at some point, regardless of self-identifying as any sort of addict or not, because it is a free group environment with yeah. structure, sharing, feedback. And then I think there's also the added benefit of being able to hear other people's experiences. And when you're so dialed into your own pain and shame, and in some cases, victim, it's very easy to go into the mindset of no one understands, I'm alone, this is all me. And it can be very comforting to hear a story that sounds like yours without projecting, but that right. genuinely may sound like yours to say, oh, oh, I'm not the worst. I'm not crazy, I'm not this. And I imagine that alleviates shame or at least a bit of it, which- Well, it alleviates the aloneness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It alleviates the loneliness because love is in the listening. Yeah. My experience, yeah. to your point, is in the listening, it gets you out of your own crap and out of your own mindset and your own, you know, momentary narcissism yeah. to listen to someone else's process and pain experience. And the love and the listening comes from knowing that, to your point, Someone's always got it worse than you. As horrible yeah. as our own personal experiences yeah. may or may not be, someone always has it worse than you. So it takes you out of that place of being alone and being that isolated victim and realizing, God, there's a humanness component to this. There's a commonality connection to all humans that we all feel pain. There may be different mm -hmm. reasons for how we got here in this moment but we can all identify to being human and our connective tissue is love, pain, except there's a lot of words you can put in there. Mm. That, and, and we ignore that so often because when we get isolated and wallow and stay stuck in our lives, it 
disconnects us because what we're doing well, is putting up a wall. Yes, and we're putting up a wall. I mean, I mean, you know very well, and I've shared it on here that I have to be very conscious of not isolating if I go into a funk because that energy not only will grow, it grows fast, fast as hell. Uh, the equal and opposite, however, is love, yeah. right? It's or or whatever the equal and opposite is for the listeners thing that they go into shame, validation, whatever it is, you know, it's so important to really dial in on, yes, I, I understand how I'm feeling and what doesn't feel good right now. I also need to look at how I would like to feel instead. And it doesn't mean that I need to have all of those positive feelings right now in this moment during my dark night of the soul. But you do have to have the intent and then the follow through to begin dropping some pennies into the positive piggy bank too, right? Because it's not enough to just be in the darkness and wish or hope that it changes. Right. It is, sometimes I think that's, that's, this is the most challenging. It's saying, how am I going to move some of my energy into a space that mirrors a different kind of energy or emotion back to me? How can I move from this pain or shame into connection and love or prosperity or abundance? It's like putting your sneakers on. It's the hardest part of going to the gym. It's where do I, where do I start with that? And, you know, I think that we've accidentally on purpose kind of covered a couple of ways, talking to people, joining groups, uh, doing your own reflection. You and I also both know that that's like a starting point for building more positive momentum. What else would you add? I have some thoughts and there's things I want to poke you on, but just hearing that, what would you add first? Well, let me, I just want to back up on something that you were saying. Yeah. So showing, showing up is essential. You have to show up for yourself and you have to show up for life. And solitude is a choice. Loneliness is a symptom. Ooh, I love that. So the loneliness piece, that isolation is the danger spot because energy needs energy. Energy yeah. feeds off energy, action, reaction, right? There's that a kinetic dance that happens. And so, and you know, we're on the planet with seven and a half billion other people. We're not meant to be alone. Mm -hmm. We are meant to have moments of solitude to reflect and to grow and to nurture and to meditate and do all those things. But we need to interact with the world. And so showing up for ourselves is essential. So figuring out ways to do that that are healthy, supportive, complementary to the type of life we build and, and, and want for ourselves is everything. So yes, yeah. putting on the sneakers may be the hardest part, but the journey of a thousand miles, the old, you know, the old saying mm -hmm. begins with that first step. You have to take the step. You don't have to take yeah. 20 steps. You have to take yeah. one step. You don't have to go 500 miles. You have to go one step at a time. And, and I also think planning for 500 miles ahead, it serves you nada because you're, you're, it, it, where you're at three steps from now is going yes. to be bigger and brighter, ideally, right? And so- And different from where lens, you started, yeah. Yes, your lens for what's possible is gonna be different. So you, 
mapping out 500 steps ahead from a negative point, a shame point, that's still, that's too small, babe. You got to go bigger, you know? And it's having belief because the belief is the key to opening the door of possibilities. And so, you know, I find this, it's really important acceptance. You know, it's that, it's that piece that people really struggle with, I believe. And, and I maintain that acceptance of where we come from Mm. and an openness to our future allows us to revel in the possibilities of our lives. And so that- Can you say that again? Sure. Because I want people to really hear that. Acceptance of where we come from and an openness to our future allows us to revel in the possibilities of our lives. Mm. Okay, continue. Thank you. So that that acceptance piece is the self-love. And that, to me, is the cornerstone of all the things we're talking about and we could talk about. Because yeah. if you don't love yourself enough, you're not going to make the choices that support you. And when you don't make the choices that support you and you kind of fall in on all the pain and let it crush you, and get, that's where the isolation, the loneliness, the disconnection, the fear, all those things come into play, which keeps us stuck. And when we're that stuck, it doesn't allow us to grow. And when we're not growing, life has become stagnant and anything you know, that you can kind of you know, pile on negatively makes complete sense then. So the positivity piece that comes into play is trusting the process. We're only responsible for the effort in our lives, not the outcome. So if we can let yep. go of part of that piece of trying to control everything, like you were saying, you don't have to do the 500 miles right now. When you get to a different place in life, having a game plan and a master plan and a blueprint makes sense. But you also have to be very present, very present. Yeah. Right. So that that presence and owning the moment, owning the moment in terms of how you make your choices, how you unfold, how you unfurl into life makes all the difference that you it's it's impossible to kind of even paint the picture of how important that is. And that's where the self love, whatever choices you need to make that honor you, honor your vision. That has to take absolutely priority position in your life everything else has yep. to fall to the wave side comparatively so i want to i want to go into that a little bit more because uh I, I was having a conversation with someone uh what is today monday it must have been last wednesday or so um where the phrase i don't love myself enough was really triggering for them because it was bringing up a lot of, you know, of course, I'm not enough at anything. I can't do anything right, right? So, like, that victim energy started to kind of peak. Negative speak. Sure. And regardless of whether enough resonates or not, I think another framing that's aligned with what you just shared is, how do I love myself in the right ways more? Because if you love yourself in the right ways more... It's going to be a hell of a lot harder to keep making choices that don't serve you. And that's going to look very different person to person, but it it can be kind of like a, kind of a vague thing to say. It's very much like a transformation, coaching, buzzwordy kind of, oh, you have to love yourself. And I know people on the other end are like, what does that mean? Okay, choices. What does that mean? 
What would you say to that if you had to offer even more specifically than what you just shared, which is choices that serve you? Joe Schmoes, like Anthony, I need to love myself. What would you say to him for practical steps that would be supportive that he could hear and like start to act on? I don't know if it's always as simple as, you know, here's the ABCs of making all that work for you. And here's why. Each of us are very unique. Mm -hmm. We all are very individual in our life experience and in terms of the life that we are in in this moment. Because we're all wired differently, we've made different choices, emotional makeup, different pain points, different life experiences, etc. The choices that we make will dictate the experience that we have. Mm-hmm. I find that when we, and it kind of goes back to doing the work, and that may be just a little, and I don't want that to be trite. So what mm-hmm. I mean by that in its deepest sense is that we can get very complacent in our lives. We can, we can yearn for the safety of boring or just, you know, I guess it's not only just boring, but it's just the safety of, of, of safety, what we know. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, complacency to me is a soul-sucking quicksand of self-actualization. Mm-hmm. Mm. To actualize, meaning how do you come into your true total self? How do you evolve into who you mm-hmm. are and who you will eventually grow? And, it, and you were touching on it. You know, my 20-year-old self that, had the, you know, that was a drug addict and had a spiritual awakening, and the man I am today is a vastly different person. Right. But it has been over time, and you know, it doesn't happen very quickly. And it's so that what I have found that life is filled with adversity. So perseverance is adversity's worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. Perseverance is what's mm-hmm. going to get you to the place because you have to keep showing up in your life. It's real easy to check out. Think about it. Where in your life you can check out. Yeah. It, do- it doesn't mean you have to be, you know, in the alley drunk and, and all that. It can be many different ways that we just don't show up for ourselves. And so to answer your question, like, well, how, what does that really mean? Love yourself. And, all right, great, it's by choices. And it's like, yeah, it kind of is. Because if you're not going to show up for yourself, you already know what the results give you because you're living yeah. that. If you're unhappy, yeah. you know that reality. So my question is, is that working for you? Yeah. How's that working for you? Yeah. You can always make those choices. So why wouldn't you try something different? Why wouldn't you try something completely out of your comfort zone? The worst that's going to happen is is going to be where you are right now. That's the worst that's going to happen. But what if, what if changing your point of view, changing your mentality, changing how you show up were to reap dividends that you could have only imagined, but were too scared to find out? So I I think the what if is that can be the most fun part to your point once you've addressed the complacency piece and thank you because that was sort of what I was trying to back you into a corner to to start speaking on because I agree it's it if there's one singular place everyone can start with developing more self-love it's looking at where in my life do things not work, not feel good? 
where am I in resistance or in negative acceptance or acceptance of the negative, I suppose, right? but still have a deeper yearning for more because that discrepancy is where you need to play. Yes. Yes. And it's never too late to discover the depths of your soul. No. And depth, I know I use that word all the time, but I mean, when you really, let's go with an ocean analogy for a second. The ocean is so fucking scary. How yeah. deep it is. Like we, Powerful. we don't even know. We know more about space than we know about the ocean. And that is, that's terrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying in a good way, right? But I get it. What I like about that is this limitless or seemingly limitless amount of space to explore. And we all have that within us. And so coming back to your point about the what if and what if your life could be bigger or better than you even imagine. I know early, early, early on for me, when I was uh, first starting to work with Melanie Klein, that was actually one of the places where we played the most with my own inner dialogue was rather than being in resistance to or complacency with my negative thoughts or my fears, we just bounced back curiosity. So if you think everything's going to fail and you're bad at this thing and you can be good at everything else, but this one thing, Amanda, is not going to work. What if you're wrong? What if you're so wrong? And what does that look like? And just coming at uh, fear, complacency, even shame with curiosity, rather than think positive, and it's almost like an order, that felt so much more accessible. And then it started to actually come from me, right? It was like, well, this would be, if I, if I can be honest with myself about what I want, maybe this is what I would want. And it would get bigger and bigger. Now, one more thing I want to squeeze into this before I turn it over to you, because it looks like you're going to say something. When I was working through that, like being open to possibility with what if statements, I had shame in claiming what I wanted just within myself, let alone saying it to someone else. So it was like, well, I would really like to be this kind of financially secure and have this kind of a relationship and these kinds of friends. And there was an odd shame for a lot of different reasons that came up. Mm. And hundreds of people I've talked to have experienced flavors of that shame as well. It's, it's, Am I allowed to have this? Am I, am I silly for wanting this? Or what if I want this and then I fail? Then what? So I'd love for you, because you've had quite a bit of adversity and success in your life, to kind of talk about those two things, which is playing with the what if, and then working through claiming your what if, claiming possibility. Well, if you believe you can't, you're right. Yep. All right. Yeah. And so you've already kind of created a reality that you can't escape from. And so I'm going to, you know, continue your your water and, and ocean analogy thinking there is that is that I, I believe that that it's important to jump in the deep end of the pool and to believe that you can swim. Mm-hmm. If you go through life just <laughs> dipping your toe into the shallow end of the pool, it's not a very rewarding experience. So it's in the deep is where the magic is. Yeah. You have to trust yourself 
and you have to trust the universe and learn how to dance beyond the periphery of self-limitations. You just have to believe in yourself. And, if, and, and if, to truly believe in yourself, then act like it. And if you don't, act like it anyway, right? So yep. does your self-perception deserve uh, a shift in conscious thought? I think so. You can choose to change your mindset and behavior. You can realign any, uh, realign any negative inner beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. You can do that. You can realign uh, any of the confliction of choices that you've dealt with. You can ultimately set a new course. You can learn, you know, it's through doing how to walk the world confidently, lovingly, consciously, with integrity and all that. That's about being, you know, the truth of your conscious existence. And so the, the ownership that comes with that conscious uh, connection to yourself and to the universe at large is, is, you know, and you were talking about the shame piece of like deserving. And, I, you know, I always wonder, like, where does that come from? Yeah. Where does it come from that we don't get yeah. to truly flower? Yeah. You know, that somehow we're going to keep our beauty and our power hidden and we're not going to fully realize who we are. That's our whole purpose I know. is to fully yeah. realize ourselves. That is our whole point of being in existence from my perception. Oh, it, it absolutely is. You're, I, you're not always right, but you are very right here. Anthony is usually right, by the way. I just don't like giving him too much credit. Uh, you know, as you were, you were talking, I think one of the things that's been implied, but maybe we haven't really teased it out specifically, it's like you kind of just have to try because you learn on the road. You will learn about yourself on the road. Like, you know, when you were just talking about uh, something you said, oh, throwing yourself into the deep end. Like, well, my best friend just became a mother and we were talking last night about just like god you learn so much in the first two weeks because oh, I can there's so many things you don't practice like yeah. i didn't know how to warm a bottle i didn't know how to do this i and so you have to do it in real time with you know you can read you can practice not the same when you have a live six-day-old human and i think you know that kind of speaks to a piece of I agree with whether you believe you can or you can't, you're right. And then you will learn more about your capacity once you start. Like, what's that thing? Uh, teachers don't teach. You know, what's oh, that phrase? Right. I'm, yeah, I'm, those who can't teach. Those, yes, those who Something can't like, teach. Right. It's like, it's so fun if, if you have an academic mind to sit back and read theory I'm not going to shit talk anyone for a second, but I will, I will shit talk for a second as well. When I worked in marketing and an mm -hmm. MBA student would come in and it's their first job, they could be 25, 26, 27. And in terms of experience level, they were starting at where I was at, not, not just me, right? But like at an entry level, at least in terms of preparedness, title was obviously different. Sure. But it's because there are skills that you just can't have by sitting and thinking or sitting and reading. You have to actually put your wheels into motion. You have to try. It expands from there. That's what you have to trust. I, that's a great lead into to my thought here. Um, I'm a proponent of learn, learning through doing. Yeah. I, um, 
I did very well in school when I was in school, and I wasn't in school for long. Um, and I dropped out when I was 15, so I haven't been in a school since, you know, 10th grade. Yet, in my life, I've accomplished some remarkable things and have experienced some amazing things in my life, personally and professionally. And none of that is taught in a classroom. None of it has been taught through an online thing. It's just I jumped into the deep end. I trusted the process, and I learned by doing, and I learned by applying. Every, every time I would learn, I had more in my tool belt yeah. that I took to the next situation, to the next situation. And so my point to that is, is that we're, I believe we're, we are ready. You know, it's, I think yeah. uh, we don't trust that process, you know, trust ourselves enough to embrace that the universe holds good things for us. Um, we have to learn how to leave self-doubt in the dust and be in the moment of now, step into the expanse, often of the unknown, and trust that we're loved and supported always. And I took that advice for myself in all that I've done. And I've, you know, in my accomplishments, of which I'm very proud of some of the things that I've done, it's not because I followed an academic route and I'm not, you know, saying anything negative about academia. I think it's great for those who that's their path. But for me, that wasn't my path. My path is I wanted to be creative. I wanted to be in music. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be in the arts. I wanted to be in communication and marketing and production and, and all these things that, I, that I've been deeply involved in. But the first album I ever did, no one ever told me how to produce an album. Mm -hmm. I took what I knew. I kept my mind open to learning what I didn't. And I put the puzzle pieces together because I trusted the process. The process is where it's at. I imagine it wasn't linear all the time that you weren't just like, oh, I learned and I learned and I learned and I'm great. There Never. were probably failures. So how did you take failure and allow it to fuel you rather than to drag you back to some space that you were in in the past? It's a great question because so many people see failure as a negative thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and they also, uh, people see risk as foolhardy quite often, right? So risk yep. can be appropriate if it's deliberate, focused, passionate, you know, which I'm a big believer. Risk can release us from the shackles of fear. It can deliver yep. us into the freedom of our true selves. And that's an integral piece to our growth. And so not being afraid of fear not being yeah. a fear, not being afraid of failure. So failure, you know, it's what's there's this wonderful. I'll get this wrong, maybe, but there's a, I believe it's a Japanese proverb: "Fall down, fall down seven times, get up eight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the learning in that, the biggest lesson in that is you just keep going. You don't take it as a defeat. Failure is where the deep knowledge of opportunity lies. It is, yeah. okay, this didn't work, now I know how to, <laughs> and that goes back to the choices, big choices, big choices, big choices, right? So I take out the judgment of yeah. failure because that is where everybody gets stuck. It's like if you are so judgmental and have shame and, and, and all this negative stuff attached to it, well, then you're in quicksand. 
and it's almost yeah. impossible to get out of it without help. So why would you put yourself in quicksand? Why would you beat yeah. yourself up at such a level that it is debilitating? To me, that yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense. You need to embrace failure as much as that you brace, embrace successes. And so for me, the failures were the learn is really where the deep learning always has been. Yeah, and I love the way that you shared that. And I, I was laughing in the background because you and I, just as we're growing my business, it, it yeah. there have been quite a few things that I certainly perceived at the upfront as failures. And, you know, obviously in large part due to you, but also due to uh, a quantum growth tenant that I was primed on a decade ago, which is, exactly what you said, seek failure. And that was hammered into me when I first started doing inner work. And it's a really nice tenant to come back to, seek failure. Now, obviously, no one here is suggesting go fuck your life up, but it's when, when failure comes, can you welcome it with open arms? But I also... I also want people to question if it's even a failure at all or if their self-perception is expecting it to be a failure or a projection of their worth. Judgment. Yeah, when I reflect back on quote-unquote failures, it's like they, they really, really, really just weren't, and it was so much more about uh, how much I was allowing myself to seek possibility. So... We have that space where everyone is capable of looking at a perceived horrible thing, flipping it maybe with some curiosity and moving into their expansion, whatever that might look like. Because I want to wrap this up, even though there's a million places that we could go. When someone is really starting to get clear on what's possible for them, and they're starting to build momentum. Things are starting to happen. They're getting really excited. That's a beautiful space to be. I, I, I believe you can create more, right? It's just more and more and more. What advice would you give someone who's sort of on the precipice of all of that happening? They like have the belief of the belief that it's possible. They're getting ready to be ready to expand. They know it. it that bright, shiny stuff in the future is there, but they just need like a little push over the edge to really move into it? What would, what would you offer them? Well, I would offer them freedom mm. to move into the space of possibilities. Our journey is filled with unexpected highs and lows. That's just the nature of it. Yeah. All of which are but moments in time to be fully experienced as well as deeply appreciated, I believe. As our lessons are learned and lived were best served i think to remember that personal growth with its challenges and its multiple rewards is a never-ending trip through the carnival called life so enjoy oh, yeah. the, enjoy the ride yeah don't take it so seriously it's don't just take it so life. serious yeah it's like well i've said some of that to you you know at times it's like I it's know. just right and so it's true. It's like we, we put so much heaviness sometimes in importance and mm -hmm. weight. And weight is really hard to support, right? And, and to me, it's all about, you know, you, you were saying about failure and is it a failure? And it's like in the day of, you know, 
branding and marketing it's like we got to give something a name in which to kind of saddle yeah. it with and then and then you know it's this and so it has to represent this and it's all negative and no you get to rewrite the rules as they fit your life and i'm a big believer in coloring outside the lines yeah you know i, I want to add something to the like it's just life because you have you've mirrored that to me in really valuable ways where when i'm i'm teetering on shrinking a little bit it's like you kind of come in with like lighten up like it's it's fine uh and it always is and one of the things that i've found oddly helpful as well when i've been in one when, when i've been in that space on a few occasions i look at well if if i wasn't going to be in this moment moving through this moment what would i be doing instead Right. Hmm. So if I wasn't building this thing and then it feels like it's not working and I'm in so much pain and resistance and, and I'm almost going to get stuck there, what would I want to do instead? My answer is always run away to a cabin in the woods and start a homestead. And when I think about that, it's like, OK, but if I did that right now, would I not still want to come back to the exact moment I just left to see if it could work? Yeah. Of course I would. Right. And so when you can kind of give yourself that contrast, right, it's like, I say I want to escape this challenge and go over here and hide or go over here and distract or avoid or whatever. You kind of got to give yourself a little bit of lighthearted perspective too. It's like, okay, if you do go, go to that thought experiment, if you did go and run away, you're telling me you wouldn't still want to come back and work through the challenge here because I've done it right like I've, I've gone into my my moments where I'm like I gotta pause feel all of this deeply yes. I've never not returned I know you have never not returned the people we work with it's a part of the journey but however you can find the perspective any perspective to offer clarity on the challenging moment right like mm. if you need to go fantasize about running away then what will you think there if you need to brainstorm all of the possibilities then that means you're gonna have to move through this moment like there's so many inroads to get to a point where you're no longer in resistance to the moment the failure the whatever right now and i just wanted to add that because anthony and i have shared like different experiences different perspectives by the way there's so much more that we didn't get into with Anthony, like his, can I, do you care if I say no. just the amount of, Anthony knows so many famous people, it's insane. And he casually name drops, it's not a name drop, but his, we didn't even get into his comedy career and all of the stuff there. Career in comedy, right? You were not a stand-up, correct me if I'm wrong. I was wrong. not, no. Uh, the world didn't need that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. uh, you but know, I can always, anyway. in the next moment I go, I always choose to change that. Is this the moment? I mean, listen, <laughs> you have a mic. <laughs> yes. What's the deal with that? Yeah. Anyway, um, what was I saying? Yes, we've offered quite a few perspectives. There are quite a few more we could. But again, as with all episodes, for those who are listening, hear and chew on some of the, the things that Anthony has shared, right? Take what resonates and then can you make some of it your own? Because we, we touched on a couple of key things that are in a lot of people, right? Shame, resistance, victim energy, possibility. 
keep seeking within yourself. If there is something, a little ping, that's saying, hey, look at me, I need to be healed and released. Hey, look at me, I need to be healed and expanded. Can you go into that emotion? Can you take whatever you need from this particular episode, make it yours and allow it to fuel your growth? And I only share that because I I think it can be very limiting to just hear advice and absorb 100% of it, like it's all yours. Think critically. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think we have great advice here, but (laughs) I just want you to think critically. I want you to embody what makes sense. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So, Anthony, anything else you want to add? Anything you want to leave us with? You can also share where people can find you, any of that good stuff. I would like this pretty simple is I want to encourage people to never dim your light. Mm. Those who shine brightest illuminate the way for themselves and others. And we need the light in this world more than ever. And so own all the magic, power, creativity, and love that you have to offer. Believe in yourself. Show up for yourself. Show up for others. Mm. That is the recipe at least in my own journey and that I've seen in so many others that that create a life that is of value and has resonance and has power and possibilities. Um, so I encourage anyone who's listening to really love yourself, figure out the things you need to do to show up for yourself in a way that is supportive and enables you to unfurl into this world in a way that you most want and deserve. I'm a around i'm in the social media i'm in the social media world uh you can find me on facebook and find me on instagram uh my website anthonyjwbenson.com is where you'll learn more about me and see some other things and you know as you well know i I work with people one-on-one and um as well as you know working with people like yourself and in a deeper capacity but uh, I'm here to be of service. That's, that's my role in life. I do so through the lens of creativity and uh, work in the realm of spirituality, health, wellness, personal growth. Um, I'm all about the deepening. And the deepening is where we all can most benefit because it allows us to grow in ways that we only imagined. And then when we're able to experience that growth and share it with others, it's really remarkable. Yeah. And, and I, I just want to add to what Anthony shared about the work that he offers, because I know coaches and conscious entrepreneurs tune into this podcast. Um, it, just from my perspective, Anthony is kind of the type of mentor that I had been really looking to work with, someone who understands how to be smart in business, but also does not... Uh, do anything in partnership foregoing the consciousness aspect. And I think that's really important. Um, So if you're someone who's like, yeah, I need some help, but I don't just want to do like ad strategy and it feels (laughs) like it's sucking the soul out of me. uh, I I just can't recommend Anthony enough. And I believe he does drop in sessions. You do drop in sessions still, correct? I do. Yeah. So go, go find him. I'll drop his links in the bio you can always message me i'll connect you guys directly as well i anthony uh, is now committing to a five million dollar finder's fee for me thank you (laughs) and i will see you guys in the next episode thank you amanda it was a joy to be with you today
Thanks, Anthony. Okay, I'm going, don't hit leave. I'm gonna hit stop. Thanks for tuning in to Anxiety Talks with Amanda Huggins. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe or pay it forward by sharing the link with a friend. For one-on-one coaching, online workshops, and more, visit www.amandahugginscoaching.com or say hi. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at It's Amanda Huggins. We'll see you in the next episode.